hello, hello. This is Killer Casting. I'm Lisa Zambetti. I'm a casting director, casting film, TV, podcasts, commercials, video games. And I love to talk about deep, dark, and twisty TV and film. And I have somebody who likes to talk about that with me, and he's here right now. Say hello. That would be me. That would be Dean uh, Laffin from Melbourne, who does like his dark and twisty stuff, as, as does Lisa. And we've been enjoying all sorts of cool stuff, which we're going to share with you right now. Yeah, so we're doing it a little bit differently this time. Dean and I have not watched episode three of Fargo, season five, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. So we're going to do a little intro, then we're going to go, we're going to log off. We're going to watch like the first segment. We're going to come back and give our reactions. And as I've been thinking, first of all, this really blows that I can't binge this whole fucking show all in one style. I mean, I'm so spoiled. I am so spoiled. It this blows. Whole, you're, you're, you're offended. You're <laughs> totally I'm offended. offended. <laughs> I mean, I waiting a week. I mean, it's so nice. We had two episodes that dropped sim- simultaneous, simultaneously. But yep. to have to wait a week is just is it's it's just obscene to me. I I, I much prefer as and I should share with you that I am right now horizontal, laying in my bed. I'm so tired from the day I've had today. I have two people who were sick in my house today. One of them has COVID. I've spent the oh, day no. making soup and tea and running to get prescriptions for Paxlovid. Walking with dogs. I walked my neighbor's. I, I took care of my neighbor's dog today. I like. I was like. I I was good, and so I treated myself to a glass of Beaujolais, and then here we are. But anyway, I'm literally <laughs> making myself as comfortable as possible. I'm in bed. There's no way any of this video is gonna actually make it anywhere. It's just gonna be. Sometimes I make little video assets. That's not happening tonight. I look so ratchet. But anyway. No, you don't. No, no, no. You just, you just look like yourself, which is gorgeous. Oh, top, top aww, to bottom. Top aww, to bottom. So nice, thank you. Anyway, what was I saying before I started saying that? Oh, um, uh, we're talking about. Oh, um, so oh yes, sir, I know. So listen, so I've been thinking about this show, and I think it's interesting because it's the thematically where we are in the show right now, where this theme of running away from your life. To, to, mm. to escape something awful and running towards something that is on the outside looks so gentle and safe, which that's what it seems like the lead character of Dot, played by Juno Temple. And I'm going to stop calling them by the actor names. I need to start calling them by the character names. But anyway, that's what it looks like Dot has done, run away from John Hamm, Royal, Sheriff Roy Tillman's um, character, and gone towards this other life but but when you think about it like has she really found a safer place because the first scene of the of the show is this melee of violence happening mm. at what should yeah. be a very kind of docile pta meeting and yet there's this huge smackdown that she's right <laughs> in the middle of and she's got to tase she's yes. got to tase a, a cop and gets thrown into the huskau and yeah. and so is this world really safer and idyllic or are there the traps that waiting to to catch her so anyway i just that's something i've been thinking because there are so so many great examples like the history of violence that vigo mortensen film Mm. which i love which is another one where someone is leaving a very violent past to be like this diner owner only to be revealed that 
you can't run away from your past. Anyway, what are your thoughts since the last time we spoke? Yeah, I mean, so the first two episodes, the first one was like a bit of a mystery. It posed more questions than answers. And then the second episode supplied a whole bunch of answers. Mm -hmm. And whether you liked them or not, it's like, oh, okay. So there's this, this, and this. Now, what I'm wondering is, like, we're only two episodes in, but I'm wondering if episode three turns that on its head, because we know how good Noah Hawley is. And the fact that he would give you what seems to be all of the answers in the first two episodes, I'm like, no, there's no yeah. way. There's yeah. no way. We're, we're, we're in for some somersaults here for sure, right? And I'm so excited, by the way, just to jump completely out of this out of this episode into the fact that Noah is show running next year. There will be a new alien TV series, which is set on earth. It, it will actually be, what's the word, chronologically? Chronologically, it'll be the first or the earliest alien kind of thing. So if you so think about prequel. all the, It's like a prequel. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. But it's, but it's like, if, if you look at all the alien stuff that's out there, like alien, aliens, blah, 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 Prometheus, yada, yada. It's actually set the closest. It's going to be the first sort of thing in the alien universe. And he's going to show run it, which I'm kind of excited for, mm -hmm. but I'm also a little bit nervous about. Anyway, Noah Hawley. Great. And yeah, I'm looking Noah. at the cast that they have. It's going to be headed by yeah. Timothy Oliphant. Love yeah. that. David, I know there's... Yeah, David Rizal, who's in this current iteration of Fargo season five, yes. playing hapless husband, is also going to be in it. And it looks like they have <laughs> a really nice, really nice cast. I just recently watched, I watched Alien 3 with a fresh eye mm. and I previously thought that it was the weakest of the alien franchise and, and it, it's Fincher before he did seven, like his next movie was seven, mm -hmm. right? So, okay. He, he was a music video guy and then he did this and they, they gave this to him and a lot of people bag it. And I, I, I thought it was, you know, an honest effort, but not that good. And then. I watched it with fresh eyes last night and I'm like, no, nah, this is a stone cold, really good, yeah. really good film. I agree with you. I, I probably caught it again on TV like a couple years ago and kind of got pulled into it again. And it's right. just very different. It's just a yes. sharp pivot and visually it's so much different. And it has one of my favorite actors, Pete Postlewaite's in it. Right? Oh <laughs> yeah, Pete Postlewaite. I mean, come yeah. on. Come on, shut up, yeah, yeah. shut up. And just the, the look of it, how cold it is, how how almost ceramic it is. Lisa, you would appreciate this. I, maybe one of the reasons why it wasn't popular is because it was so British. It was super British. Every act, Charles Dance, mm -hmm. like all of the characters, yeah, they're yeah. all British. And maybe that didn't resonate with audiences. I don't know. But it was also very stripped back, and you can you can look at Alien, the first one, right, which is a seminal horror movie set in space, mm -hmm. right? And then you've got Aliens, directed by Cameron, which is one of the great action films of all time, like Terminator Two, and then this sits outside of that. And so when they gave it to Fincher, and they said, "Well, we've done Aliens." 
what are you going to do? And he, he did something different. And he had the right. balls to just go throwing out all the rule book. No, we're just going to go and do something different. I and just realized my, and he did. Yeah. My old, my old boss, Billy Hop, my very first boss in casting Billy Hopkins cast this. You know what it right. also reminds me of is, do you remember that Wolverine movie that was really, really different? I can't remember what it's called now. Well, I got to look it up now. I know we're going on a tangent, guys. Just come with us. Just come no, with I us. No, I know, right? Uh, what's what's Wolverine's real name? I can't remember. What is his name? Uh, okay, I'm going to cut all this, but I mean, let's see. Hugh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. But it's called, come on, come on, come on. I know everybody's screaming that they know what it is. It is right. called Logan. Okay, so oh. it reminds me a little, I know we're going on a tangent here, but but the Alien 3, the look of it very much reminds me of Logan and how just very really? dark and and spare and how how sickly a lot of that movie is. Anyway, just, mm. uh, but it's a hard pivot from what, a Wolverine. It's a very different feel yeah. and I, I yeah. kind of loved it. Anyway, so since we brought up Fincher, this is a segue. So... What two days ago I watched The Killer, yes. Fincher's latest movie, mm-hmm. and I mean Fincher, Fassbender, come on, that's 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 got me written all over it, uh, and I know you saw it too, yeah. I have. I did not feel this. I mean, I think the first hour I was really engrossed by it. So without, I'm not going to spoil anything. Basically, it's about an assassin, everybody. huh? We spoil everything all the time. I know, I know. But it's it's about this contract killer, and it's kind of mm. like a day in the life. An assassin. Mm. Yeah. And it reminded me, there's an episode of Criminal Minds. It's one of my favorite yeah. episodes that we ever cast. And it's about a sniper. It's about a hired killer and a sniper. And he spends like 24 hours just at this window, poised, ready to pull the trigger. And he's just just focused that entire time on the building across the street waiting for the person he's supposed to murder. And he has to concoct this entire fantasy situation to keep himself engaged and not not fall asleep and and not lose his focus. And I guess it's and the writer told me that this is like this is like a trick that snipers have when they're in for a very long, long stakeout of their prey, they like stare and stare and stare and they make up scenarios in their head of like falling in love with the person or going out to coffee with them or doing like just to keep their attention on that target. Anyway, so that's kind of what it reminded me of the killer because it starts out with this assassin in this. I loved the um, I loved the setting, how he's in this industrial building across the street from this very high-end Parisian apartment building. He's in a, an abandoned WeWork office, which is hilarious. Yeah. And there's like no furniture <laughs> and there's just like plastic yeah. wrap everywhere. And he's just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting for his target to arrive. And you don't know. It's kind of rear window-y because you don't know mm. who his target is. He's oh, yeah, at- very. Yes, it is. And he's looking yeah. in all the windows. He's looking at there's a cafe and there's a dry cleaner across the street. And you don't know exactly who he's waiting for. And I just love, you kind of just see kind of a day in the life, like how he spends his day doing yoga mm. and, and going to McDonald's and like just waiting and waiting for that go time. Yeah. So that part of it, I really loved. I loved, and you know me, I'm more character driven than story driven. So I'll just, watching a character have lunch, I'm totally fine with. 
But mm-hmm. after the first hour, when certain things transpire, when he basically fucks up his assignment, which I think is hilarious because he's he's monologuing this whole time in a VO talking about how precise he is and how how exacting he is in his process of being an assassin. And then he just makes all these mistakes. And I think that that's, that's awesome. But yep. as it goes on and things go awry and he goes on sort of this revenge quest, it just lost me. It lost its why after a while. And mm. as he meets character after character that he's supposed to be exacting revenge from, yet it just kind of bungles it. And I don't know. I just, what did you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I really wanted to like this. I mean, you and I both love Fincher from, from day one. And the, the trailer looked fantastic. And it's, it's a classic case of the trailer being cut better than the film, I think. And as I messaged you, I, <clears throat> I started to watch the film. And I was like, yes, this is going to be great. Great, great, great. I can't wait for it to start. I can't wait for it to start. I kept waiting for it to start <laughs> after like 50, 60 minutes. I'm like, when is this film going to start? Yeah, and it just never did for me. I don't know. Um, yeah. it, I will it, say, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. no, I was just going to say, like, who can who can second guess fucking Fincher, right? So he obviously made the film he wanted to make, but I I, I don't know. It's just it's just a weird. It doesn't get out of first gear. Like a, I think I said to you, it's like, okay, the opening scene, first gear, right? Great. I'm waiting for it to go into second, third, fourth, fifth gear. Never did. Maybe, maybe it was. There is a fantastic fight scene in it, though, where he tracks tracks down somebody he wants to exact revenge from. And this fight scene is brilliant. I thought it it really packed a punch, no pun intended. You could feel the blows. You could feel the pain, which Mm. is so, like, with the Marvel universe of it all, you don't feel the pain so much when you see. So there's so many fight scenes and all this stuff. This just felt like it kind of reminded me a lot of our boy Edgerton. Who is that? Who is that again? Joel. No, no the other one. Is that oh, his brother? Uh, well, there's Joel Edgerton, the director, and then there's Nash. Yeah, Nash. Oh, sorry, mean, sorry, Nash. Nash Edgerton. Yeah. Yeah, because he's a stunt guy. Remember, he had yeah, yeah, that yeah, great yeah, stunt yeah. in uh, Mystery in Between. But anyway, so I will say this is cast by the great Lorraine Mayfield. He, she does all the Fincher's stuff, and mm-hmm. there aren't that many cast members in it, but I really love seeing Carrie O'Malley. She plays the red-haired secretary who's kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time and <laughs> is sort of begging for mercy. She's just a great character actress who transforms in anything you see her in. I just loved seeing her in this as well. I mean, obviously, Tilda Swinton's in this too. Uh, and a lot of great, a lot of great finds. But yeah, it was not satisfying at the end. I, at, at the end, I was like, what is going on? This is, I don't understand this character anymore. I don't understand what they want. I don't understand their why. I almost wish it was more gritty. Like, it was like, almost like he's a plumber, but he's an assassin. Like, so, like mm. just the, the gear, the the... Like just seeing like how he has to like schlep his stuff oh, everywhere, yeah, like, that's like just seeing something that's just kind of more pedantic, like a, just a day in the life of of an assassin and sort of the mundanity of it all. Or he needed to be super great at everything, like really yeah. grokking it so hard and 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 in innovative ways. Like, oh, I never thought that that's how you get into somebody's house. Yeah, but yeah, it was yeah. kind of like neither. Or anyway, yeah, no, no, no. You're right. You just made me think of. 
like the professional. Uh, Leon with John Renaud. Yeah, Leon. it's the same as that. It's like, yeah, yeah Leon, which uh, one of my favorite all-time movies. It was the same sort of thing where you see him watering his pot plant and yeah. doing that sort of day-by-day stuff. Almost domestic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, domestic. So one more thing before we jump into, we actually will be getting to this episode, I promise. Yeah. But as I was on the Fargo uh, Instagram page yesterday, today, I don't, I can't even tell what day it is. I'm so tired. But anyway, I was on the Fargo and I, and I was commenting, they had a picture of the hot tub scene. And so I was yeah. commenting like, oh, this is an amazing scene. And I'm like, we talk about it on our podcast. And then somebody replied to my post saying, yeah, I was there. I know all about this scene. And lo and behold, it was one of the actors in that hot tub scene, not John Hamm, but just as good is one of the actors who plays the FBI agents. That would Um, be Nick. And that would be Nick Gomez, who I was like, oh, God, I had cast you on Grendon on the Saints and I didn't remember that. Anyway, that's what happens when you cast 100 and whatever episodes yeah. of the show Brilliant in thousands, one ear yeah. out the other. Yeah. So I talked to him and he would like to come on the pod and talk about his experience on the show. Obviously, no spoilers, but he could talk about the audition experience. He wants to talk about that scene but with the very real naked Don Ham. Well, he was, he, he was, I mean, the camera was behind Ham. I mean, we, we saw his butt cheeks, but Nick obviously saw the rest. So. Yeah, but sometimes uh, that's also, that's sometimes the the actors are wearing, I forget what it's called, a burqa. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're wearing some sort of garment that's that's a modesty garment that it. Yeah, like, a, well, there's a merkin. A merkin. Um, but I say, um, I yeah, think a, Merc- Merc- a birkin is like a bag. Never mind. It's like a very expensive purse. Well, a merkin's like a. <laughs> what like a birkin? Fake. Anyway. Fake. All right. So I'm going to fire this up. And we'll just go off camera and we'll yeah. see what, what, what is in store for Dot. And Here we uh, go. So we are going to pause now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the first section of Fargo, episode three. As we will. Okay. okay. All right. All right. So we are back. We have actually watched the whole episode and we're jumping on with our very hot takes. Um, so, Dean, just sort of in a word, encapsulate your feelings about this particular episode. The word that I have is, actually, I wrote it down, and I would say audacious. This is a psychotic episode. I just, I applaud the balls. Oh, yeah. I just think it's so brave and so crazy. We're going to get into the details, obviously. I just think of all the series of Fargo, this series and this episode encapsulates Noah Hawley just throwing out the rule book and going, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Thank you. Well, that I will agree. I will agree <laughs> on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think this is a really interesting episode. And there are some series that have the restraint to do an episode like this. Because for me, the word that I was kept thinking of is an idling throttle. So mm. when you have an engine and it's it's heating up and it's revving up and it's getting ready to just blast off... But it's throttled back as it's gaining its, I don't know anything about engines, clearly, but as it's gaining its horsepower (laughs) or whatever. And that's what I felt like this, this episode, there wasn't, I didn't feel like there was a lot of action, but things were percolating. It was that boil just before it. Yeah, yeah. A slow boil. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are they called? A, when you boil eggs and they say 
just get it at the right temperature. It's a rolling a boil. A rolling boil, yeah. A yeah, rolling, rolling boil. boil. That's yeah. what this was. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. let's start this. So we, we pick up where we left off and the next the first several scenes in the episode are at night, which is kind of cool. It's the same night that we last left off where one of the deputies of Sheriff Tillman's posse was murdered by Ole, the thug who had kidnapped Dot. Anyway, so we're back to that same night and Sheriff Tillman is out there with his son, Gator. And they're both like, what the fucking are we going to do with this dead body and and all this? And they're just sort of recapping to each other. This is not good. Son, you have disappointed me greatly. <laughs> you're, and- he, he, he says you're 0 for 2. <laughs> Yeah. Yet he doesn't like, but he doesn't like pick up a shovel and do his own dirty work, right? He's testing his son to see if he can can do this. John Hammond is is most. He looks so good in this shirling. Do you know that shirling is? (laughs) It's a jacket. It's a very specific kind of jacket. And one of my coworkers like got a shirling for Christmas, and he like plots all over the place because he just loved this jacket. But it's like it's like a sheep skin jacket and on the inside it's got all the fluffy sheepskin on yep, the outside right. it's very suede looking it's like a very particular look and i just think it's it's i love it you know, you know this me scene the, well, uh, I, I just thought here the camera closes in and it's like we're back to the same fucking gas station or whatever it is it's the, like the gas they, the convenient yeah the gas station uh, they yeah. they just keep coming back to it and it's like it's like as a joke there's a australian political joke about a dog returning to its own vomit and it's like mm. they just keep coming back to this thing. They've already yeah. been here. They don't need yeah. to, but but they are. Anyway, but it's well, cool. Well, it shows and- that Tillman has actually come into this enemy territory, mm. right? He's no longer on his compound, but he's come out to the scene of the crime. And, and it's just, and this is the other thing I, I forgot to mention, but like this episode is all about the, the wagons kind of circling around Dot as so many people are coming for her. You have obviously her ex-husband, Sheriff Royal Tillman is coming for her. His son and all of his idiot friends are coming for her. Ole is certainly seems like he's going to be coming for her too. And then state trooper Wit, who was played by Lamorne Morris, who she's whose life she saved at this yes. store. Yep. He's also on the hunt for her too. He wants to track out her true identity. Who was this little waif savior of the night? And then Lorraine, her mother-in-law, Lorraine Lyon, Jennifer Jason Lee, is also kind of coming for her. And then the cops are also, I mean, her yeah. local deputies are also kind of trying to figure out why is she lying about this kidnapping? So all of these people are circling her and yeah, she's like she's... this little rabbit who's kind of quivering yeah, but pl- but planning but but she's a survivalist rabbit yeah you know, she's smart, well smart she's, bunny. Not, she, she's not a rabbit as as he said she, you didn't tell me that she was a wolf a, you know? a tiger, she, tiger. Uh, that was it yeah and and so what i loved about the scene though when when ham and his son get together it's like he goes put the car in a ditch and tell whatever harry the me Tell him it was an accident. And he doesn't even question the fact that that could happen. He's just going to completely remake this death, right? (laughs) This guy's been stabbed in the throat and murdered. But for Tillman, there's not even a thought that, that he cannot make this look like an accident. And that just tells you something about how much power he's got. Yeah. Over the people in that in that area, anyway. and yet he says, "But then go out and talk to his wife and break." Yeah, the yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. This next segment is so fascinating to me. So Sheriff Roy Tillman goes back to his compound. It's very much looks like a compound of a lot of people who live on this property, who work for him, related to him. And he walks into his very lodge looking like super McMansion cabin or whatever it is, this well-appointed house. And in there waiting for him in this soft candlelit Everything's like dark, wooded interior, very sort of traditional furnishings. There's nothing modern in it. And there's this beautiful wife, very young wife, and she's very put together. She's very modest. She's not like a prairie wife looking person. She looks very sophisticated and, and sleek, but still approachable. And then some other dude is there. Some other older fogey is there waiting for him too. And he just isn't that, no, but isn't that his dad? Oh, I don't know. Is it his dad? I thought it was just somebody who works with him. Or no, well, no, it's maybe, his dad. I don't know. Uh, I think it I was, but anyway, I don't know who it is. But they sort of ex- expose-explain to each other that they're trying to get more weapons, <laughs> and you get the sense that this is a, one of those survivalist. I forget what they're called. Not really anarchists, but um, sort of a hunker down, bunker down people who are either waiting for the end of the world or waiting to preppers. take over the preppers. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 preppers. Yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. I don't know, but you yeah. get that sense that that this is how deep this compound. This is what the ideology is, and. Sheriff Tillman walks and is kind of surveying his living room and you see on the wall there are all these family pictures and I thought it was so kind of odd there are a lot of married bride and groom pictures on that wall not just his current wife but also his former wife's picture <laughs> is still on the wall which I, is, know. I thought that was kind of interesting well I mean but it says a lot about his control doesn't it it's like this is part of my life if you don't like it too bad like to the new wife and whatever, he's like, no, this is all part of me. And so it's just about me, 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 me. Ham in this is unbelievable. Mm. I think his his performance is just commanding. It's mm-hmm. just, I mean, I mean, it requires him to be commanding, but he fucking nails it. I mean, I'm we're only three apps in, and I'm already just like, wow. Yeah. Of all, yeah. he's just amazing. Anyway, continue. And he's in a mood, this sheriff. He's really oh, yeah. in a deep, dark place as he's <laughs> thinking. Now that he knows where Nadine, aka Dot, is, it's almost like he's just fastening on her in his mind and i love this scene in the end of this sort of section where he's laying in bed nipples free to the wind uh, sorry just just before that yeah and and to your point how tortured he is and how wound up he is yeah the scene the scene with him and the the twins he says oh where's the twins the girls they're in the bath they're having a bubble bath and he's sitting there. This would be disturbing. There's like really disturbing. And I know. And he's, he's just, I mean, it's not sexually disturbing, but he's just stewing. He's yeah. stewing in his thoughts of, 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 of Dot and her mm-hmm. getting away and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And you'd really get the sense that he's living two lives. He's portraying himself as one thing. Oh, I'm a caring dad. I'm looking after my kids, having a bath. But underneath, he's just roiling. Like he's just... He's ready to explode like lava. Um, but and, and that's before we get to the next scene, which yeah. we're now going to go to, which is, wow. Yeah, so there's this great effect that the director, I don't know who, if Noah Holly directed all these or really, I, I 
forgive me, I didn't look it up who directed the scene, but I love this effect. It was so powerful where he's laying on his back in his bed, looking up mm. at the ceiling like you do in a deep, deep reverie. He's half stoned and he's completely just mesmerizing. He's almost meditating on Dot and seeing her through time and space. And you literally see her. You, he can see her through time and space and she can feel him watching her. And I think this is just a great, I mean, it's kind of a great metaphor, whether it's literal or not. Mm -hmm. And she can feel his presence out there in the dark as she's sitting at her kitchen table, looking out the window. And it's almost like he looks her in the eye and she can see him through time and space. I just loved this effect. It's just, it had such great texture and, yes. and just hip, it was like a very hypnotic moment. What I, I loved it, what I loved about it, Liz, was that it, of course, was set in modern day, but when you looked around, you would love this. When you look around the set or when you look, not, not the set, you just look around the bed, there's an old radio. Mm. And there's the bedspread. And it actually looks like it's from 1940, mm -hmm. not from modern day. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of out of time. And then he he's looking up at the ceiling with this sort of kind of lard and plaster. And then they're projecting in in uh in like in the editing, he's seeing it as a as a dream but it's sort of embedded into the plaster mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's not like a clean shot where he goes, Oh, okay. I'm seeing this. I'm imagining that it's sort of embedded into the ceiling. And I just thought that was so clever and so artful. And mm -hmm. it was like, it was like a, it was like a fever dream. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. And it was like a, a really cool cross fading, Yes. Of the plaster and seeing Dot at her kitchen table. And I'm, I mean, I'm looking at a still right now of the way that John Hamm is engaging with the camera right now. He's just looking just right through it, just so mm. deeply personal and specific. I just loved it. And I also love, we don't have any wallpaper in this scene, but the room <sighs> is painted like a blood red. I don't know if it's just yep. the lighting and if it's not, doesn't look like that during the daylight, but it's like this bloody brick red. I thought was really cool. And there are these gigantic metal peacocks above the bed on the wall above. God, I never even saw that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and why did I write yellow sweater? I guess. And then when we see dot, when we kind of, go now now we're now we really are in real time in her it's her night time and she's looking out the window into the dark and she's wearing that great yellow sweater and it's something that i clocked in the previous episodes and there's something about that color first of all it really stands out they could put her in any color sweater it could be a pink sweater mm. it could have been you know a multi-floral sweater but it's this yellow sweater and there's something about it that it's it's kind of vintage looking in a re mm. weird way it does make her look like a prairie wife or or like an old timey, like you were saying, this could be a sweater from the 1940s or it ha it doesn't look modern at all. And it's very kind of super textured. It's not smooth. It's not, it's very kind of naughty, not tea, mm. not tea and raggy. <laughs> and I just love it. I just, it just places her. It's just a very iconic garment. And I have a an email out to the costume designer for the show because I would really love to just talk to her about those choices and that there's a very homespunness to Dot and her and her world that I thought that it stands in stark contrast to Lorraine, right? Lorraine is all mm. sleek, sleek silks and and suits and and 
high-end wool jackets and stuff like that anyway I just right yeah and 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 just before we get too far away from that scene with ham in in his bed the fact that she his now wife the the fact that she opens up the footlocker at the bottom of the bed and goes okay what do you want tonight right (laughs) do you want do you want do you you want the naughty nurse do you want this this? so he's clearly got a, a menu of stuff that she's supposed to do and one of one of the most it just shocked me when I saw it, when she goes, oh, okay, all right, so I'm I'm going to improvise and I'm going to do whatever. And he literally just gently yeah. just brushes her aside and she just rolls over and goes, I'm sorry. And she just, and like, that was just the most brutal, non-brutal, but yeah. brutal thing. It was just like. So dismissive. So dismissive. It was like she was like a like it was like a bad smell that he was just sort of brushing away. (laughs) I loved it. I'm a big fan of gesture. I mean, noticing gesture. I think we've talked about it before. And I just loved that. It was just I'm in control. This is my world. And you're in it when I want you and you're not in it when I don't need you. And I don't want you messing with my buzz that I'm having (laughs) thinking about what I'm going to do to my ex-wife. Anyway. Yeah. 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 That was really cool. Let's see. Okay. So let's skip along here. So then we go to the scene that just blew my mind where she's out there in the snow and with a stepladder changing the signs of the roads. And I'm like, yeah, but, someone else is they're going to work out that they're going to think that that's the house right they're going to go oh that's number 15 it's <laughs> oh, right. i'm like how can you do that well yeah. she's just anyway. putting some spikes in the road to try to slow people down but yeah. then fiddle dee we have the next morning dots making her little shopping list of groceries <laughs> shotgun <laughs> she's she's and, and i love this sort of clever i mean her poor wayne her hapless husband he's so sweet and he's just like he knows everything she's telling him doesn't make any sense but yeah. she's like yes yeah, so we're gonna all go with zombies for halloween and so that's gonna afford her the cover to buy all this weaponry or zombie killers or zombie hunters or whatever you're gonna be the zombie and we're gonna be the zombie hunters so that she yeah. can get all of this weaponry and protective Bingo. stuff which is yes very, which, very which we'll say later and 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 i i took a freeze frame of, of her shopping list which is just hilarious and it's just so it's just so gorgeous it's like Okay, she's got first one, shotgun. Second one, pistol, revolver or nine mil? Hmm, okay. AR-15 with a with a question mark, right? And then it's like juice boxes, cheese puffs, oh, 12-gauge ammo. Yeah. Do, do we need a heckler? Dish soap, pistol, pistol, I don't know, something, mac and cheese rolls and uh, bulletproof vests, I yeah. mean, as you do. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Don't forget the bread and the milk. Yeah, that was awesome. All right. So now we we pivot over to Bismarck, North Dakota. And I did not, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mind that I didn't know what was going on, but there's an older lady trudging through the snow with her groceries, gets settled in her little house, starts drinking her beer watching TV when she hears these strange sounds coming from the second floor and she creeps up. And, and by the way, this is our first sight of some really good wallpaper in the hall of her house. There's like this very yellow, speaking of yellow wallpaper, yeah. very famous book. But anyway, there was a very, there was like a, you ever seen tin roofs, old tin roofs, like in warehouses, sometimes they're in restaurants. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. It's like yeah. a pressed 
pattern in metal. It's a very kind of distinct look. So that was the look of the wallpaper. Like it was pressed tin. It had a really cool print to it, but it looked very like yellowed and dingy and, and dirty. Anyway, and so she kind of scaredy scoots into this room upstairs and there's old Oli sitting in the rocker, rocking along. I didn't know if this was a home invasion, if he was just taking over this old lady's house and saying, I'm going to hold up to here until I'm, I I didn't feel like they had any connection to each other at all, but she kind of, she's scared, but she's like, oh, well, okay. There's a strange no, man in my apartment. I loved it. I, I love the fact that they took you into a place where you didn't know who she was, and then it transpires that it's it's his mother. Okay, right, fine. Right, 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 right. But but we didn't know that at the start. And can I tell you, uh, uh, this is just totally self indulgent. But the soundtrack, mm. as soon as the first bars of the song over this scene played, I'm like, oh my fucking god, that's Jim Reeves. He'll have to go. This is a country and western song by a guy called Jim Reeves. My father who is, was, he's long dead, but a classic Aussie male loved American country and Western music and tortured us kids. Every (laughs) time we would go on a long drive somewhere, he -hmm. would put on Dolly Parton, Jim Reeves, Jim Neighbours, whatever, and I just went, oh, my God, I know this fucking song. <laughs> so that, was, that was a little personal connection for me. You can tell that man there with you, he'll have to go. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant sound, brilliant sound selection on. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of anyway. great good sound. Uh, one of the reviews I met of, I read of this episode is that some of the music in this was from The Shining, which I, I didn't clock. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. Well, funny you should say that because okay. I have a coming up about that okay 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 well you okay (laughs) all right so just zippity zoo off we go we then we get oh okay so wait is this the part where we go back in time to i mean mean, okay so (laughs) yeah so it is said in film folklore in 2001 right the jump cut between the monkeys smashing the bones and the bones like the bone going up in space and turning and then we jump cut to the spaceship it's the most audacious jump cut in film history. I, uh, I'd, I'd have to put the title when the slut comes up on the screen. Meanwhile, five hundred years earlier, <laughs> I'm like, that's got to be up there. Like, fuck me, <laughs> Jesus, what an audacious fucking thing to do. Right. And I, I don't, I don't even understand what happened there, Lisa. Can you make sense of that? Because I, yeah, I mean, I, I got it. We're going yeah. back in time to, to going back soul. in time to, to the. To wherever Ole and his weirdoness came from, this is where the origin is. And I wasn't, it was some kind of weird ritual going on. It looked very puritanical, whatever was going yeah. on. Some sort of, some sort of, again, candlelit funeral going on where he's, I don't know what he was eating. It, everybody reacted like it was so gross what he was eating. I don't even know. It looked like bread and brie to me. I don't know. I know. They, I don't but know. But they make yeah. him, they make this guy who looks a lot like Oli, but of course it's in 1522. So it's probably some ancestor. It's some kind of ritual where he is in front of a, a coffin of a dead man and is eating something and whatever is transpiring, whatever is manifesting, he's taking it into his body and, and leaving and everybody's freaking out and afraid of him. I don't know what kind of transmogrification I, that is, but anyway. I got the sense because they paid him a few coins. I think he sold his soul. He that that I think that's what he did, did he not? It was like, you eat this. You eat this filth. You eat 
the sins and you're taking them on board and you're going to let this guy then go forward into the next into world. Into the afterlife, yeah. Some yeah, yeah, yeah. Some and, bullshit like and, that, yeah. But you've sold your soul to the devil for a few coins. And I think that's what it was, but I'm not sure. It reminded me of Angel Heart, which is one oh, of my favourite, right. favourite films oh, of yeah. all time. I fucking love that film so much. Mm. Anyway, it, it seemed like he sold his soul to the devil. Yeah, some kind of dark arts are afoot here. We don't know what it is, but I'm sure we'll find out. Yeah. No, but just before we leave this, when he's upstairs and he's in the rocking chair and he's talking to her about, I'm going to stay here, I'm going to live here, I'm whatever he says. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, that sounds exactly like this. The, it was the sound of tennis balls. Yeah, she was watching tennis. I'm, I know, and then, <laughs> but they overlapped. It was brilliant. They overlapped yeah. the audio. Yeah. And then only when she goes back down and sits in front of the sits in her little chair in front of the TV, little old four by three TV, and you can see she's watching tennis. And I'm just like, what a brilliant idea. Yeah, that was a great sound design to, to hear yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to bring that in. Anyway, I just thought that was Because it awesome. also sounds like a ticking clock. Yes. Something is counting down and it's like, yeah. and there's something very ominous about that sound. I loved it. Yeah. I love when you turn like an everyday sound into something terrifying. So that's awesome. Yeah. So then we, let's blast forward, Dot and hapless husband Wayne are at the gun shop whatever a little local local finocle in there she's trying to buy a gun and Wayne is like why do you know so much about guns you know and she's like it's like she's shopping for a purse she's like does this fit does this little... anyway what she... I love what, what I loved about that was when when the guy says how can I help you she says oh we need a, we need a home defense solution mm. like <laughs> what a great what a yeah. great encapsulation absolutely like, we don't want guns. We don't want this. We need a home defense solution. And when she's ordering up these guns, I know nothing. I'm from Australia, so we know nothing about guns. But I mm -hmm. do know that a desert eagle, if you if you want a desert eagle, that uh -huh. is essentially a 44 Magnum. The kick on that is just like a mule. Really? Oh, it's a massive gun. Massive really? gun. You'd need to be Arnie to hold that gun and fire it, right? So the Ooh, fact that little Arnie, little, you mean you mean Arnold Schwarzenegger? As in Arnold, yes. Oh, as okay. in, as in, as in get sure. to the chopper. I wasn't sure if you said Arnie or Annie. And I'm like, oh, okay, Annie, yeah, my, like Annie. Okay. My accent. Okay, no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, Arnie. Okay. So yeah, that's a hell of a gun to try wow. and hold, especially for her or or her husband to hold that gun and fire it. Forget yeah. about it. It's a joke, right? I was kind of surprised at how quickly hapless husband Wayne wrote the check. It was like five thousand dollars for all of that, and he was like, "Well." All right, okie dokie. Yep. <laughs> and then she's mad because they can't take possession of these of this these firearms right away because of the the very important waiting period <laughs> and background check that has to happen. So she's like, hmm, this isn't gonna work. So off they go. She's got to figure out a different plan to protect her family of what she know is coming. All right, let me just scooty scooty over here and to see what's the next thing. All right. So all right, so Gator, who Sheriff Tillman's son, he's getting ready to go do some snooping around and goes into the town where Dot is from and tries to get into the evidence room at the exact same time where State Trooper Wit is also mm -hmm. coming to go to the evidence room because he is this has he already figured out who she is? I can't remember at this point, but yeah, yeah, because because the what's her name? Okay. Yeah, okay. Because the local in, the, sheriff. Yeah, the well, she's actually the deputy, I think. Yeah, the investigating sheriff. Yeah, 
anyway, I will say yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but before we but before we leave Gator, mm-hmm. his room. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my fucking God. Can we talk about his room, please? There he is. There he is. It's like it's wonderfully out of focus. You can't mm. quite see the posters behind, but you can tell that they're tits and ass, right? Yeah. It's 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 like it's it's like the cover of what do you call it? What Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. Oh, uh-huh. right? yeah, 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 yeah. So there's no porn per se on his wall, but it's just it's like he's 16 years old. Yeah, there's yeah. babes in bikinis on the beach and all this stuff, and and he's doing this affirmation like I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Yeah. I'm a winner. I'm yeah. a winner. That's like it's so sick. It's just anyway. So we have this really ugly exchange that made me incredibly uncomfortable yeah. when Gator and the state trooper are both in the evidence room at the same time and they're kind of confronting each other. I mean, the the state trooper doesn't know who he is, but he knows that he's taking something from the evidence room and there's this confrontation it's incredibly racist and it just yeah i i just oh i just hate that and i like i get it like i get they're a bunch of assholes and they're racist but i just hate watching that and it, uh, just, it was such a it. yeah but it was such a powerful scene and even though he even though junior gator is a lesser version lesser as in inverted commas than ham it's just like he's being trained and it's like this is the continuation of it. And it's like, yeah, I'll do to you like I did to that guy that blindsided me on the football field with a tire iron, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Like, wow, powerful and to, riding. And what I love, though, is that Trooper Trooper Wit stands his ground and he's like, mm. there's nothing you can say to me that I'm not already heard. And he's just so solid. And just the depth that I just love Lamorne Morris's performance i mean his eyes i just i just love how vulnerable hopefully hopefully as the as the episodes unfold he will get his justice i can only hope but it is fargo so you never know yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) all right so then we make a beeline over to ready to talk about lorraine lyon who's the big matriarch of the family sitting in her very cold office with dave foley as her one-eyed lackey and the scene is just like, I don't really know what this scene is for. I mean, the the local sheriff and the deputy who are investigating the kidnapping or f- not kidnapping of Dot are there trying to speak to her. I'm not sure why they're there exactly, but she's letting them know that we don't need you. <laughs> Only the great unwashed of the society need your kind of law enforcement. People like me live in literally glass houses and we don't need you. I have my, she has her own security and yeah i don't know this i don't know what this was except for a flex to show that she has no respect for law enforcement she she's holding the party line that my daughter-in-law says that she wasn't kidnapped then she wasn't kidnapped blah 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 go away get out of our business so yeah any any thoughts about that scene yeah i i don't know you seem to have an antipathy for her character jjl's (laughs) i don't know it's it's like you've never really Never. Like, in the past couple of eps, you're like, eh, I don't know about Jennifer Jason Lee's character, blah, blah, blah. This, to me, was one of the most telling scenes mm. in the entire series. Mm. It is it is so dark. I think this is the darkest series mm. of uh, Fargo ever. 
Other series have had light and shade and blah, 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 whatever. Jennifer Jason Lee's character, she's just like some, some evil fucking monster from out of, I don't know, out of space, right? She just, she says, you have no function, mm-hmm. no function. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's really hard. That's harsh. Yeah. And she just doesn't care. I, I just think she's one of the most fascinating characters in this entire series. And I love, I, I know you have issues with her accent, but she's just, she's just, she inverts everything about like <clears throat> ham. It's like putting ham against her. He will, sh- she will shred him like an alien. Well, like I'd the, love to see that. I'd love to see know, God, right? Godzilla maybe, versus Mothra of that. Will. Yeah. No, and oh I'm not, I'm not, I hope you don't, nobody listening should take it that I'm like shading Jennifer Jason performance. I, I'm, I was just questioning the, creation of this character and i'm and she's kind of i'm kind of warming to it in this scene she is so i don't know would you say that she's kind of a nihilist or um oh yeah just sort of there's a there's a fatalness to her that is really interesting there's if you go back to the original film and you look at the father of the woman that gets kidnapped yeah and he's he's quite brutal he's quite cold and he's Uh quite calculating and of course he's got his side man and now we're seeing that replicated with with Jennifer Jason Lee and her eye-patched uh, consigliere. So there's echoes of that. But she puts them to shade. She's in a totally different league. I love the fact that she's just gone all in on this and she's just an absolute an utter, she's like a like a cyborg or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this next sequence is a really cool callback. We have Ole, this thug who may or may not have supernatural powers. We don't know. Laying in his bed, also in a very red light, just like Sheriff Tillman was in the beginning of this episode, laying on his back, looking up at the ceiling, fantasizing about his revenge. And that's kind of what Ole is doing too, laying in the, in his bed with a reverie, thinking about what he's going to do to exact his revenge on on the people who he thinks has wronged him which is i always like a callback i always love those those symmetries that's awesome anything else before we get to halloween uh, night yeah so back to sheriff tillman he's clever enough that he sets up his little minion who also happens to be his son to do the dirty deed but he's not there he's his hands are not dirty yeah. he's not getting near that right he's too yeah. smart for that so he's going to send them to do it He's wound up. He wants to kill her, but he doesn't want to get caught. So it was good. Wait, and who, then, wants to, who wants to kill her? I don't oh, think. He, uh, I don't think. Want, I don't think he oh, wants well. to kill her. No, I think he wants to oh, really reclaim her. I think he wants okay. her back. I don't know if there's like a polygamist situation happening, but I think he wants her back under his control. Actually, yeah, you're, you're, you're probably yeah, right. Yes, you're right. You're right. Her, you're right. Look in her eyes. Let her know <clears> that he's regained control over her. You're right. Um, and, You're right. You know, by whatever means, but yeah. So, so they figure it's the it's the perfect time to to grab her off the street because there's going to be everybody out and about. Everybody's masked. It's Halloween. There's a lot of confusion and shuffling about, and people can just sort of walk around. Nobody's going to notice an extra bunch of people coming through <clears> town. <throat> yeah, so, weird. Um, Shout out, by the way, again to the music. Whoever was curating the music to use, smack my bitch up for this. <laughs> which, which. Many people don't understand this song is not about domestic violence. It's about heroin, mm. right? Smack smack my bitch up is about 
like is this a nine inch nails song or is it yeah 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 yeah. i think it is yeah or trent whatever anyway but wonderful wonderful use of music and a fantastic um just just a great choice for this particular thing and it's almost godfather-esque it's it's like he's set ham has set this though tillman has set this stuff in motion and he's expecting things to happen but he's not there yeah and i I just thought there was a little bit of Godfather going on there. And of course, now we understand that the reason why she said to, why Dot said to her husband, now we're going to switch to zombie is because she knew they were coming. Mm -hmm. She knew they were coming. So she needed her zombie killer uh, accoutrement to to, to crack onto these guys, which um, I... uh, killed me that the, the the episode ended before we saw that but we're gonna see it in the next one but anyway i thought um, that this go ahead no 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 i'm done i was gonna say i i just loved seeing this this sequence with dot scotty and wayne and they don't have a lot of lines but they show this sequence of them being dressed up like the zombie and the zombie hunters and them having yeah. fun and like hapless wayne kind of ooh, acting like a zombie and like they're just i don't know i just really enjoyed that like happy family even though dot is like she's looking over every shoulder and looking through every corner she's on high alert but she's still being with her family and in the community i thought that that was really cool by the way uh, whose whose idea was it to put uh what's his name marlene in a, in a kilt like for what reason yeah well that's what he that well i mean that's when the very first episode when ole shows up and he's in a kilt i was like is this like the neighbor lady from across the street like i wasn't sure like what it all meant but clear i think it's harkening back to that the the whales the the 1522 whatever you know well something uh, about that. It, it's got to be a carryover from some kind of tradition of i don't know i'm gonna say this yeah. wrong but some kind of celtic Tradition or whatever it is. Something. Yeah. yeah. I don't um, know. Anyway, so let's see. Doop, doop. Oh, yeah. Ole's out there. He's on the prowl looking for prey. The the hapless gator's out there with his friends driving a dark van with no windows, which everybody, if you ever see a dark van with no windows, do not park next to it. That's my advice for you coming from my true crime head. <laughs> anyway, and Dot sees the van as it's kind of trolling by and she kind of knows that okay something's here something has arrived but before we get to that ole goes and does a ritual where he's kills a goat smears himself with blood this pagan ritual and sets out and just boom we they kind of crossfade so you think that the door that's opening is dot's house and i think that's what you're supposed to think that her door is being breached but it's actually not dot's house it is Sheriff Tillman's very nice lodgy house on his compound that Ole has breached the security somehow and this just boom in the door. And I hate to think what's going to happen to his wife and his two beautiful little girls, but that's how we end the scene. So you were quite taken with this ending. I, I think, right? Yeah. I, I love the fact that at one point when Dot and a husband and the child are walking along the street and you just see the van drive in the background. Mm-hmm. They don't know them. They don't know each other yet. Mm-hmm. So it was like a sliding doors moment. And and I, I just think it's it's setting, it's such a great setup for the next yeah. episode. Yeah. And, and, and particularly when she, she walks in the door of the house and she closes the door and the camera's outside of the door 
and you just see her look up and she's looking up at the sledgehammer. Mm. Someone's going to cop that when they come in. <laughs> it's brilliant. And then, okay, now we come back to The Shining, right? So the end titles, mm. the music, I don't know if it's bassoons or what they are. And I, as soon as I heard the end titles, I just went, I just scribbled down The Shining. I wrote it down. I'm like, this is the fucking music from The Shining. Wow. Okay. This is portentous. Yeah. 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 So there you go. That's the episode. And as you say, it's everything is a setup. Everybody is sort of getting getting in their positions ready for some kind of showdown, some kind of battle. And I think it takes a lot of restraint on the part of a showrunner to take their time in this third episode to to set things up and to show the inner workings of Sheriff Tillman's world. And so I think it was cool. I, I mean, I liked it. It didn't, I don't know if the plot got advanced. There was a lot of revelations as far as we learned that her name is Nadine. There, there are certain revelations that happen in this. Yeah. And the phone call, if it yeah. was real, I, I don't know if that was a real phone call or if it was imagined. I don't know. Yeah. But the, the phone call from him to her, I think it was real, wasn't it? I think it was real and it seemed weird that Tillman would call because it would just alert her that they were mm. so close. If he's got the phone number for her house, then yep. he certainly knows where she lives. But and I thought that it would be better if he didn't. I kind of didn't want that detail. Like it's fine yep. if the phone rings and she wonders if it's him, but to actually have that moment. But yep. anyway, everybody's kind of getting in place and we'll see who who emerges alive. And hopefully next episode, if Nick Gomez can join us, who plays yeah, uh, the come FBI on, agent, that would be awesome to have him weigh in on and you know what he thinks is going on and and what his impressions are of the themes and and all the stuff and, that's going on. And by the way, shout out to uh, Donald Murphy, who was actually the the uh, director for this particular episode. Directed also, uh, Dope Sick, amongst other things. Mm-hmm. So did it absolutely. And Sicario, Day of the Auto. Mm, he was the first AD on that. So yeah, yeah, clearly a very talented guy and did a great job. Well done. All righty. Well, that's it for this episode three of Fargo season five. Thank you all for joining us. And for now, this is Killer Casting signing off.